0: Good evening and a warm welcome to this week's show. We are very excited for our next guest, certified past life regression therapist and also creator of the Alien, UFO and Past Lives podcast, Simon Bowen. Welcome to the show, Simon. For our listeners at home, could you tell us a bit about yourself and how you come to be involved in both of these fields?
1: Well, um, I've always been fascinated by UFOs and paranormal, supernatural stuff, even when I was 10 years old, I would go to the local public library and get out books on anything that was supernatural. So it could have been Bigfoot as well as ghosts or UFOs. But over time, my interests sort of just uh, went down into two channels, so to speak, and they were completely separate at that time because uh, I'm that old. that I'm talking about the 1970s. And so UFOs and the afterlife, they didn't cross over at all. And it was in the 1980s, I started going to this place called the College of Psychic Studies in London, which was set up by the Society for Psychical Research back in like 1875, 1880. And so it was a huge house with a massive library. But it, it was a college, but I wasn't a student there. I was uh, going to pay Because they did teach people how to become mediums and psychics, and they would teach past life regression, there'd be channels, you know, uh, mediums who would channel a spirit. So you could talk directly with the spirit and not have the medium interpreting what's coming through. And it's about 1987, 88, I was taken through a past life regression, and that was really phenomenal. And and. It was amazing what came through. And it was also not just uh, that you would get these images and these thoughts and this knowledge coming through. It, it, it was also slight physical feelings as well. And so over time, I begot, became really interested in the evidence for an afterlife, which is what they were doing at the Society for Psychical Research back in the Victorian age. They had... Scientists, as people like the Astronomer Royal was part of it, as well as um Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and Sir William Barrett and all these different people who were not you know just kind of um what today you might say kooks or nerds or into woo and what have you they they were looking for evidence of an afterlife and they were spiritualists and they would work with mediums and way back then it was the trying to do a scientific viewpoint. And uh, I think the spiritualists have been kind of, I don't know what the right word is, uh, invaded. Uh, I, that's not the right, quite the right word, but it's become more kind of Christian. And some spiritualist churches now have hymns and prayers and things. But before that, that they didn't do all that stuff. And so or at the same time that I'm interested in those things, I'm still interested in UFOs, and I'm reading books like uh, Travis Walton when his book came out, and Whitley Strieber and the uh, Betty Andreason, and then as time went on, um, Bud Hopkins and John Mack and Timothy Good and all this UFO stuff, and particularly alien abduction. I I I don't know why, but I find that particularly fascinating, and part of that is the high strangeness and for me it's almost like the weirder it is the more interested I am and some people will get turned off by the ultra weird stuff and so over the years I got taken through more past life regressions it wasn't like I was doing it every few months it was every few years and I decided that this is something I wanted to do so I went on a proper college course to become a clinical hypnotherapist. And that was a 10 month course. And um, we did, you know, hundreds of classroom hours. And I, I learned that. And then after that, I got certified in past life regression therapy, because past life regression can be very healing if it's done with that as the target. It might not be done as that like when i was doing it before is exploration i just wanted to see what come up it wasn't that i had needed therapy for anything in particular but um then also i had a really long commute where it was about an hour and 15 minutes each way so every day i had two and a half hours of commute and so i would just listen to podcasts the whole time and the podcasts would be about ufos and afterlife stuff so i th- eventually because i've been a musician since 1980 and i had done so much home recording i had all the software and i knew how to do it and i thought it can't be that hard to do a podcast you're just recording a voice it's not like you've got to do the whole band so i just sent emails out to people saying can i do you want to be on my podcast and i just i would send them to anybody i've sent them to You know, big names and being uh, refused by their gatekeepers. And, but I I have been very lucky to get so many people on my podcast who have been so interesting. And I've learned so much over time as well. So that's sort of like my journey from where I started out to where I am now doing podcasting and hypnotherapy, where I specialize taking people through past life regressions.
0: Wow. definitely the past lives regressions um that sounds really interesting to me because um it's something that I would like to explore myself but I'm not quite sure where to where to go to when you go on google and you type in things you never know what's going to come up um and if it's you know if it's not going to be a sort of a bit sort of um not I suppose like dodgy or something a bit misleading but um yeah what what are the processes you would take someone through to um get a past life sort of uh, insight that that person might
1: have? Well, with the hypnosis, uh, we use the the hypnotic induction, which is basically taking people into a really deep, relaxed state. It's kind of like a deep meditation, or it feels like when you're in bed and you're just falling asleep, you're really comfortable and feeling really good. And your brain waves change. And um, it seems to be at that point you can start accessing stuff. And they have done tests, like scientists have put those kind of, you know, when you have probes all over your head and wires hanging off them and hypnotize people, and they're trying to look for something going on in the brain that is very clearly unique, which they could point to and say, that's hypnosis, that's a hypnotic trance. But that's never been found. There's no. In a way, they would say there's no such thing as hypnosis because there's nothing they can see there. It's just great relaxation. But there's something that comes through there. So we do the hypnotic induction, and that, and that is me guiding people through. Uh, first of all, muscle relaxation. Where I tell them how their muscles are getting more relaxed. And then I guide them in, with visualization. Because you bring the visualization in because the person who's in the hypnotic regression who's going to the past life will see everything in their mind's eye, in their imagination. So you've got to get the visualization working. And there's an idea that, you know, you have your spirit guides and you have your higher self, and they know all of your past lives. And we ask them for help. And it may be if we're doing some form of therapy, like um I did have someone who came to me, they they had a phobia of birds. They couldn't be near birds at all, like pigeons or, or anything. They get so freaked out. And so when we're going into the hypnosis, I would say, take us to the origin point of this phobia. Take us to the past life where this started to become an issue. And that's the kind of hypnotic language we would use. And it seems to, to work. And it's that thing where... I don't really know how it works. There's these ideas, you know, the the spirit guides, the higher self, but it does work. And it seems to work on a weird subconscious level. So what I do is I uh, describe for the person that they're in this garden and it's a really nice place to be. And we call it the safe garden. And there's a reason for that. But off to the side, I said, there's this short tunnel and you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I'll walk you through the tunnel. It takes five steps. And when you step into the light at the other end is when you step into the past life. And then when they get there, I've described everything for them up to that point. And then after that, I describe nothing. And it all has to come from them. And I'd be saying, okay, so where are you? And what are you wearing? How old are you? Are you male or female? Are you in uh, the countryside? Is it a town, a desert? And we start. Finding out basic stuff, first of all, and then say, OK, so what's happening here? What are you doing? How do you feel? Who's with you? And sometimes people will be in a past life scene with a family and they'll, they'll just know. They're saying, oh, this, this is my wife and these are my kids. And I know how old they are and how long I've been with them. And then I might ask, do you recognize any of them? And this has happened to me. you You see someone, you just know. And somebody might say to me, hey, that person who was my son in my past life is now my brother in this life. It's the soul that's reincarnated with me. And that happens over several lives. And there's this idea that there's a group of souls that work together through all the different lives, taking on different roles to help each other learn different things. The, The idea of reincarnation is that we incarnate to learn everything there is to be human. So you would have to incarnate as male or female of every different race, gay, straight, maybe trans. You'd you'd be on different parts of the planet. You'd be poor, you'd be rich, you might be uh, you know, kind of comfortable and have a dull life, but it's it's all learning experiences. And so I, I would guide them through all these different things. And we usually move forward in the life. Sometimes these Past life scenes come to a natural end. And then I'll say to them, just allow yourself to move to the next relevant memory. Or I might say, I'll count you down from five to zero. When I get to zero, you'll move to a significant event in that life, an event that's the cause of your current life's issues. So that's basically how, you know, a past life regression works. That's how I would work it. But one last thing I'll say is that, you know, I said there was a safe garden. And what yes. happens there is if somebody goes into a past life scene that is traumatic, then we can take them away from that really quickly because it it can get very emotional in past life regression. And I've seen clients so many times in tears when they're in a past life. And if it gets too much, there are different ways of doing this, different techniques of stepping back from the trauma. But finally, I can say, Take yourself back to that safe garden. You're completely safe now. Leave behind that life that is no longer your body. Leave behind the emotions, the sensations. You are completely removed. And that can take people out of the trauma. But there's another thing is that if the trauma is something that's bleeding through to this life, that's causing a problem in this life, then there's a reason you're seeing it so First of all, we won't go to the safe garden. We'll step back from that trauma. And I might say, okay, that's happening inside a room. You're outside of the room and there's a door there that's really big and heavy and it's locked. And you're completely protected from that trauma. But there's a little window in the door and you can see what's happening. And so you'll still get insights and understanding of the trauma, but you'll be completely protected from it. So I hope that's. I uh, covered your question.
2: Oh, that's um, yes, yes. that's a great introduction, uh, Siren. You've said some really interesting stuff, and there is a lot to unpack there. So, going back to what you said about the person being scared of birds, well, I'm actually terrified of frogs. It's something that came on when <laughs> it's such a it's a strange thing to um, it's a yeah, strange things to admit in public, but um, it's a, it's something that came on when I was about sixteen years old, and um yeah, it was just like, even now, like if I see a frog in front of me, I can't walk around it. I can't walk over it. Like, it's like one of the only things that terrifies me. And uh, it's such a strange thing. And going back again to, um, you know, past lives and everything. Uh, that's something I believe personally that I've experienced as well. So uh, <laughs> maybe after this, we could talk and I'd love to work with you to, you know, yeah. unpack my what's been going on with potentially um my past life and my fear of frogs because yeah it'd be something I'd be interested in exploring uh, because yes it's it's not something that I can make any sense of
1: well I can tell you what happened with this client that I had we were in this past life they they were in America because I I do all these sessions over Zoom and they went back to a past life and it looked like the 1920s and they were on a farm and the farm looked like it wasn't doing very well it was just dirt everywhere and they had these chickens and they saw themselves as this old man and they went out to feed the chickens and they had a heart attack and collapsed and no one came to their aid, but they came to with all the chickens around them, like plucking at their face, like all the beaks coming down at them. And you could see how that might freak you out and give you a fear yeah. of birds or something. And So we go through a process where we uh, do what's, we cut the bond to the past life and we we try and stop the negative energy coming through and it, it's just amazing how it works and uh, it's it's all on the subconscious level and you can put in hypnotic stuff, which is uh, we have something called the ego strengthening routine where you you build somebody up and you put in this this hypnotic suggestions about how they're feeling so much better and so much stronger and when they wake tomorrow, they're going to feel so much better.
2: The the mind is a crazy powerful thing. Yes, it can be destructive as well as
0: um, productive. You know, it, it definitely it's easier for us to fall back into that sort of like negative mind frame of like, especially with with me when it came to like music or doing my art, I'd always be questioning myself, saying, "Oh, I'm, I'm no good at this. I'm no good. There's so many other people better than me. I may as well stop." And it's it's to get yourself, just keep telling yourself, you know, that's just my inner demons or something just trying to put me down but um one question I, I do have is um do you think there's a thing such as new souls have you ever had uh, anyone like sort of um, that didn't have any past sort of regression lives that they could look back on
1: i've had um a very small number of people who just would not go into a past life and there's, there may be different reasons for that. I, I don't think anybody or any soul that incarnates on the earth is is um, a new soul. And this this gets like we go down the rabbit hole here. Um, I did have a client and we went to a past life that was on another planet. And we got to this point where we encountered a spirit guide and we were saying, well, how many past lives have you had? And he was told, you've had one past life or one life on Earth. And this is it. All your other lives were on other planets. And the thing was that Earth is such a hard school. You've you've got to go to the other schools first before you come to Earth. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to handle it. And (laughs) other times, people might not go to past lives. It might be that, you know, they say, well, they've got a phobia of something or, or it's physical. And I say, well, take us to the past life that is the origin point. But if the origin point is in this life, there's no past life to go back to. So they won't see a past life. Another thing might be that if it's the spirit guides that are choosing which past life you see, they might actually think, you know what? We're not going to show you a past life because this thing that is affecting you is part of your plan. You decided to come here to learn this lesson. If you go to a past life now and we find a, say, a he- healing, a cure for it, then you're not going to learn your lesson. So, no, you can't see a past life. But on the other side of that, I've had clients come to me who just want to explore, they don't want therapy. And it's almost like the spirit guides have said, Oh, tough luck, mate. You're getting therapy. <laughs> and they, they show them something quite traumatic, but actually, it does help them. Yeah. So, I, I, I find it it would be very odd if there was a a new soul coming here. But as I said, we're we're getting more, it's getting beyond uh, what you might call reincarnation 101. We go into deeper things where we we look at the afterlife and the space where souls may be created. And this is something we hear from people who have near-death experiences. And it comes through a mediumship where they basically say time doesn't exist in the afterlife. So how could you call something a new soul? Where if time doesn't exist, there's no point of creation. It's just all happening in the now. So that leads you on to think about past lives are not in the past. If if for your soul is experiencing all of your past lives in one moment. So the future lives and past lives, your current life, I, I kind of liken it to a tree where you imagine the trunk of the tree is your soul, and then all the leaves are the different lives, and the trees experiencing all the leaves in the same moment, just as your soul experiences all your lives in the same moment.
0: Yeah, it's a really good way of uh, looking at it and um a bit mind blowing. It's very difficult to try and comprehend through um the past, the present, and the future all happening in um at one point. So um yeah, definitely, definitely is. Uh, well, it's a head scratcher to me because i I'd like to know about my uh, past lives. Um, so it's definitely something I I would like to uh, explore. Your ghost story. Your ghost story.
2: It's a fascinating thing when you hear so many accounts from all over the world, especially in young children around three four years old when they can recount a a story or a past life you know lots of memories they have to their to their parents and some i've seen sometimes there's been evidence documented where this child can kind of prove who he's talking about in a past life from um you know, 20 years ago from the news and whatever he's talking about. Uh, I'm sure you've heard plenty of stories like that. Maybe, um, Simon, you could tell us one of your most favorite stories that, with such a kind of coincidence that it's kind of undeniable.
1: Yeah, there's one from um, Dr. Ian Stevenson's work. I don't know if you know him. He's He was at the University of Virginia in America and so he was a professor who was studying this at a university. It wasn't like, you know, like me, where it'd be just in your, your spare time and you, you don't have any credentials. And he eventually built up uh, thousands of files on so many children. And he tended to work, this, this was way back in the, I think he started in the late 50s, went through the 60s, the 70s. And what happened was, the guy that invented photocopying invented the Xerox machine. He became very rich, and he donated the money to the university to pay for all this research. But one of these cases was in India, and there was this little boy who was just talking about how he used to be a teacher and that he was murdered. And he would go on the bus with his grandmother and occasionally the bus would take a route past this town that they'd never been to before. And he'd be saying, that's it. That's where I used to live. That's where I used to live. And he was like three or four years old. And eventually the grandmother gave in uh, when he said he wanted to get off the bus and he grabbed her hand and he led her through the streets straight to this house. And he's like, this is my house. This is where I lived. And they knocked on the door and he said, like, ah, it's my wife answering the door. And he talked to her a little bit and she invited them in and he's like what have you done to the house you've moved the furniture around my my cupboard was over here and he opened the cupboard and he's like where are my guns and this woman's like how could he possibly know this stuff that she did have a husband that was murdered and he did have guns and he he was a a school teacher but he was also a bit of a scoundrel and also out the back of the house there are a whole group of children playing football And he went out and accurately picked out his two children amongst all of the kids out the back. And I'm smiling because I remember he used to get annoyed with these children who were older than him because they wouldn't call him father. But um, what happened with his death was that uh, he had, I think he'd double-crossed a couple of thieves or something. And one morning he's on his way to school. Somebody came up behind him and shot him in the head. so. What happened was uh, Dr. Ian Stevenson interviewed the family and talked to this kid, and he was able to get the um, what do you call it the autopsy report from the murder uh, because he was you know this fancy professor from America. They they let him see this stuff. And it showed where the entry wound was on the head and the exit wound. And the boy had a small birthmark on the back of his head and a large one on the front, exactly the same place as the bullet traveled through the skull of the the deceased person. So not only did he have all this information about this guy that died, because I've just told you little bits, he had far more detail than that. He also had these birthmarks, which were exactly like the skull of the last person. So that that's a really interesting case. But the thing is, that's not the only one. There are so many. And I've got a book behind me that he wrote, which is called When Reincarnation and Biology Intersect," And that's got loads of photographs in there. And there's maybe 100 cases in there of children with birthmarks or birth deformities that directly relate to the previous life and they've been able to you know confirm it talk to the previous family and work out what happened and that there's one there's a girl that was born with these um in her arm there's this like these i don't know what you call them like dents and they're on both arms and she remembered she was in burma it's my anmar isn't by Ma now isn't it And she said she remembers being a Japanese soldier fighting in Burma. And this Japanese soldier was captured and tied to a tree and executed. And that these things on her arm looked just like ropes, like rope marks where somebody had been tied up. And her mum said that when she was younger, you could see it like little strands from the ropes in her skin. And she would uh, like to eat in a way that the Japanese would eat, not the way the people of Burma would eat. And she would complain about uh, things, you know. It's like there was a kid in America who remembered being a, a fancy theatrical agent. And when he was a kid, he'd have a, his mum saying, I can't believe you expect me to live in these conditions in this tiny little house. We don't even have a swimming pool. It, uh, it's, it's amazing how this stuff comes out from these children. There's so many of them now with so much detail. It, it's quite undeniable. there's definitely something going on there
2: kind of gives me goosebumps listening to what you've said because not that I've looked into it much, but like I said, I feel like I've had I've been reincarnated. like I said when I was four years old, I said to my family, which were exactly what you were saying and get goosebumps just thinking about it. We were driving for a place that we've never really been. And I said to my mum, I've been here before. and I started telling her a story about how I was a farmer, which is, again, what you were saying, which is going to give me goosebumps again. And, uh, and yeah, and then there's one thing I think I said to him, I went into quite a detail, every gave her a date. Um, sadly, I don't remember much of the detail. So, um, yeah, it'd be amazing to um, to to look into this further.
1: Yeah, the thing is to um, write it all down while it's happening, while the kid's talking about it. And that well. that's... I've just That's what had Ian um, Stevenson did.
2: I've just had my first daughter so uh <laughs> if she yeah. if she uh, says anything I'll be sure to write it down
1: yeah I had a thing with my daughter when she was about 3 or 4 she only said one thing but she said you know when you were this small I used to pick you up which so I don't know where that came from and when I I said to her sorry what was that she looked at me like well I didn't say anything <laughs> and it's it's a strange thing like yeah, maybe maybe
2: there is something to it because I've never really thought about it, but this conversation's kind of brought it to the surface. When you know, when I look at her, she—it feels like I've known her forever. You know, I know I've, I've known her her whole life, but it feels like I've known her my whole life. Do you know what I mean? And um, she's only been around six months, and, um, and yeah, there's just this connection when you look into their eyes, this special feeling that that they give you. Um, yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe there was something to it. It's fascinating. Yeah. This is yeah, really interesting conversation.
0: I definitely get that with, um, one of my, uh, closest friends, one of my childhood friends who I grew up with as a kid, and I still hold a grudge against him for pushing me in a pond. But, um, I feel like again with him, I feel like that, um, I've known him forever and no matter the, um, because we we're going huge periods of our lives where we didn't talk to each other for doc we didn't fall out or anything just he went on a different path i went on a different path and i didn't speak to him sometimes for about maybe three years but then when i saw him again it was like that time it didn't exist you know we just picked up straight where we left off and uh yeah there's certain people in my life like that which i feel like i've always been around
2: and I can't explain it, so yeah you have yeah, this spiritual connection kind of thing, yeah, definitely
1: yeah. yeah, when I was in a past life regression, and I saw myself as a small kid in a park, and I saw the father and mother there, and I just instantly recognized that the father was one of my best friends in this life, and it was weird because I just had that knowledge. It's not like anybody told me you can spot it it's it's weird.
2: So if anybody listening is interested in looking more into what you do, where can they find information about this for the past life stuff?
1: Yeah, the website is pastliveshypnosis.co.uk, and there's a link to a booking page and people can go into my calendar and book a free call. I'll do a 20-minute consultation on Zoom and if they're interested in doing past life regression then we can discuss what they want to do, what their goals are. And as I said, it's free of charge.
0: It's definitely something that um I would be interested in, so you may hear from me very soon. Yeah. I I would love to know, I would love to know, um, definitely with like uh, past lives and, and such. Um just always sort of fascinated me. Here again hearing stories. I remember hearing one story from um a young boy who had a past life that he used to live on Mars and that um he had to um leave Mars and come to Earth because there was a huge war. But um, again, I, you, you never know if that is someone's imagination that is just created that or if that child actually did experience that and they believed that was what was happening. Um,
1: yeah, I, I remember hearing a story. I, this, this was amongst the UFO stuff that um, they took all the analysis of the Martian atmosphere and all the isotopes and whatever, and they gave it to the scientist and said, "What well, can you tell us about it?" But they didn't tell him where this had come from, and he said, "Oh, they nuked it." And they said, "Well," he said, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Well, this this isn't natural. This, this, some of this stuff comes from nuclear weapons," and so that that was a weird thing.
0: Yeah, I I remember um, uh oh, going down so many uh, rabbit holes on YouTube, but I remember watching um. Things along the lines of that, of um, story that they believe that Mars was once uh, could have been inhabited and was much like Earth, and then a huge war broke out and nuclear weapons were used, which hence the like you said, where um, the uh, the soil was analyzed and they said there was all these isotopes in. But uh, yeah, I just I just find all that stuff fascinating since a kid when I uh, first ever watched um, Star Wars. I was hooked in anything space related. I just wanted to, I wanted to know everything. And it was always been a huge fascination of mine to, um, you know, imagine visiting so many different planets and seeing all these different galaxies and just all the different life forms. It's just something that's always, uh, sparked an interest in me. I mean, same with star Trek, but I definitely was more into, uh, my star Wars, but, um, I can see sort of elements of that itself, like the whole sort of like Jedi um using the force. Um, you could say that there are some aspects um here on earth where um, you know, I don't know if it's been proven, but especially with sort of like twins and stuff like that, with this, not telekinesis, but a link where one is on one end of the world and one's on another, and one can be feeling really anxious and upset and their twin just has that feeling, and they, you know, get in contact with them. And then, like, how, you know, it's this weird knowing sort of like psychic
2: empathetic abilities. That's it. That's it.
1: <laughs> yeah. And weird synchronistas as well. Yeah. I remember reading about two women who were twins and they were separated when they were children and then they met in their 50s and they found out they both married a go a bloke called Doug, and their wedding days were exactly the same date and they had. Like both a boy and a girl, and the boy and the girl's names were the same. That's just crazy, isn't it? Yeah.
2: What are the chances? It's like one in a million. (laughs) Your ghost stories, your ghost stories. This has been uh, such a fascinating conversation, Simon, and we really appreciate your time talking about this. Uh, We're going to close this episode here, but we're going to have you back for part two where we're going to talk about aliens, UFOs and things like that. So uh, thanks so much for joining us on this episode.